explain to someone uh, who hadn't been here in a couple weeks this morning, you know, someone said, well, well, what did I miss? And I'm like, oh, not much, really. And then I started talking about all this stuff. And I'm not saying stuff is the end-all, be-all, but I started talking about all this stuff, and, and, and it's been a lot, a lot of stuff going on. Um, one thing I want to point out, by the way, and I just want to celebrate this uh, as a praise uh, to God. We, we did, um, man, and I forgot about camp even, right? We had camp in there. We had so much stuff going on. But um, someone uh, came to faith in Christ at camp, and, uh, and uh, one of the adult volunteers that accepted Christ and, and wanted to be baptized. And God, in his sense of humor, poured down rain on us for a day and a half. And, uh, and we couldn't get back to the pool to have a baptism. And so this week during VBS, I'm being instructed with it on my phone. <laughs> this week during VBS, um, we got to celebrate on Thursday night. We had rented the pool out ahead of time, and we got to celebrate a baptism. And the only thing I'm sad about is some of you didn't get to be there for it. But it's a total God thing, uh, how God's moving. And, and it was Shelly Russell. And God's been moving in Shelly's life for months, and, and I would say years. And, and uh, we got to celebrate that. So I just wanted to share that because some of you missed it. Uh, we didn't mean to do that to you. But man, when there's water, <laughs> you know, we're running out of excuses, okay? Um, so I just want to share it with you. But something else that's going on is we had the Madison County Fair. We were out there for a week solid giving out freezer pops, right? And many of you helped with that. And one of the things that happened during this time, so we, I just want to give you the synopsis in the last couple weeks. We did Madison County Fair and camp. The week We did the outside service last week at the Glendale Park. Then we did VBS this week, so that's why a lot of tired hands. But lots of great stuff's been happening. And I say all this to set up this next uh, thing I want to share with you. I'm going to have someone share with you. I was sitting out at the, the uh, Madison County Fair just talking, which is the greatest thing ever, right? Just talking to folks and this and that. And, and we were sitting at the table, and, uh, and someone started to share a story with me, and it just struck me as such a great God story. And so I'm going to ask this morning that Mike Thumbsdorf come up. And he's going to share it with you. Well, what I, what I basically was doing was, uh, I guess, giving Bill a, a taste of what is somewhat culture shock. Um, I kind of told him the story of going from a Catholic to a Christian and uh, what happened there. And, and I had basically given up on the Catholic faith because when I married my wife had been divorced once before and they didn't want to marry us and those of you that are catholic know the whole story um but what it leads up to is i was at home and my wife started to go to a christian church and i really wasn't too hyped up on it but every day she was coming home and she was just glowing and i'm like okay something to this one morning the lord bapped me upside the head and said it's time for you to come back come on back so, okay, I get up, and I get cleaned up, and she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to church with you. She said, you are? I said, yeah. Cool, everybody at church has been praying about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, I got you. So we get to church, and the pastor at this church probably goes, I don't want to say really, he, he looks like he goes about 300, and he's big around as what my arms are. And I walk up, and I'm going to do this, and he goes, and he hugs me, and I went, whoa, uh-uh. <laughs> no, we're not, no. We're not into this. Okay, thanks a lot. We'll see you. Let's go get a seat. So we get a seat, and they start to sing, and next thing I know, everybody's doing this. I'm like, oh, cut it out. There's no way. You know, sh by the way, where are the, where are the books at to tell us what we're supposed to say? <laughs> I'm, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, we, we leave the service, 
and Patty goes, well, what would you think? I said, well, the music was good. I liked the music. Well, everybody knows I can't stand still anyway. But I said, I, you know, that hug and stuff, eh, you know, <laughs> that's out. I don't think we're going to do that. And I said, that raising the hands, what's that supposed to signify anyway? So, you know, I said I wasn't going to do that. Well, for those of you that know me now, I can't hardly shake your hand anymore. i got to hug you because that's just the way it is. So, that, you know, we went through aha moments this week at Bible study. God was doing that to me. Aha. <laughs> now you're hugging. So we're there for maybe a month, and the guy, one guy comes up. He goes, hey, we're going to start a, a young married couple. And by the way, I was like 40 already. <laughs> young married couple uh, Bible study class. Uh, we want you guys to be there with us. Okay, yeah, no, that ain't happening. We get home, Patty goes, we're going to go, right? Well, we'll go see what it's like. So we get there, and they all got their Bibles, and, you know, they start talking, well, how often do you read your Bible? Well, it's, it's at home. It's still sitting in the cabinet. What do you mean, how, what, what do I got to read it for? I didn't have to read it at the Catholic Church. I don't have to read it. Well, so I said, when we left that thing, I said, well, you know, because I originally said we're not going to do no Bible studies. Now I've okayed a Bible study, but I'm not going to start to carry one of them Bible things. It ain't happening. Aha. Took me about another two weeks, and I had one of those. So the transformation, well, and for those of you that don't know, then I got involved with the music ministry, and I got involved with the cleaning of the church. And I, got, I basically went from having no time for nothing to having time to share with God and with other people that just love the Lord. Um, and it, it's, it's funny how God just sneaks it up on you. He, he doesn't just hit you with it all at once. It just keeps sneaking in and sneaking in. And it keeps working your heart. And it's, it was a blessing to me. When, by the time my son got too old for the, for the children's ministry downstairs, he was too young for, and they didn't have a youth group like they have here. And that's one of the reasons we went looking and was very blessed to find Family Bible Church. Have loved everybody here, and I know they've loved me, and I appreciate that. And what Bill doesn't know is, I don't know if you guys catch it a lot, but when Bill, he'll be preaching, and then the Lord gives him that hug. And I don't know if you ever got that hug, but you just start to cry and you start to break up. Well, when Bill gets real silent, he does this. He ain't just praying. He's trying to keep the tears back. Because he's like a lot of us are, and we're criers. And, and if I start tell you, to tell you what the Lord has done for me in my life and how he's touched me, I would be up here bawling myself. So I'm going to get off now, and thank you for listening to my story, and give it back to Bill. We had to do a little switcheroo back there with the mic. How are you guys doing today? Doing all right? I know we already started the conversation once, but we had a few, a few interruptions there. We've been spending a few weeks uh, talking about the Word of God and uh, how we engage it or how we choose to engage it or um, what it means to us or maybe why we bother at all. Um, and so uh, I just want to review a little bit where we've been, what we've been looking at uh, in our time um, together. We started out talking about uh, studying the Bible, which, which is the way that most of us think that we should look at the Word of God, right? I mean, most of us feel like it's a, it's a tool, right? it's something that, that uh, it's a discipline, it's, a, it's something we have to do. Um, it's like eating your peas or eating your carrots, right? Um, you have to eat it, even if you don't like it, uh, that's what we're told. And, 
And we talked about that first week, how to, how to study the Bible, because we want to get that out of the way up front on, on this series. How, how you do that exactly, studying the Word. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, this morning, it's going to be a little pop quiz. Y'all ready for pop quiz? Josh's excuse because he wasn't here for it. Um, who can tell me one of the three steps, the three basic steps of Bible study we talked about three weeks ago? You can confer with your neighbor. I see a few of you doing that. That's good. Anyone? There's three basic steps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait. Yes, thank you, Carrie. Observe is the first step, okay? Now she's giving you the, the how about number two? What do we have? Interpret. Well done. And the third? Apply. See, how, it's funny how it comes back to you, doesn't it, as you go? <laughs> Give somebody a head start, and then, uh, and then we can go. And that's exactly what the basics of Bible study is, is to observe the text, then to interpret what's it saying, and then to apply it. And that's great, and that's something that in the church we should be doing. If we call ourselves committed followers of Christ, we should be looking at the Word and studying the Word. And, but then there's more, you see, because we kind of just stop there sometimes, and this thing becomes an instrument. And sometimes it kind of becomes an instrument of oppression, don't you think? It becomes kind of a, a burden. I mean, it, it's like it, I was talking to somebody at camp uh, about prayer, and, and they were saying, you know, like, like we, have, we need to pray. Why? Because we're supposed to pray. Not because we, we, are, we're, we uh, want to pray. So I, I hope my prayer for you is that you would get uh, an appetite for the word that would become not something a burden that you have to do. And it's not to say we don't have to have discipline to, uh, to you know, encourage us sometimes. But, but it is to say that there, there has to be a taste. You know, the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There has to be something that just go, oh, I want that, you know. Who, who likes uh, ice cream? Anybody, yeah? Does anyone have a favorite ice cream shop? Anyone? Bobby's. Bobby's. What? <laughs> no, wait a minute. We got Annie's. What? Yeah, so you're saying Annie's? Yeah, it's, it's funny. We've been, we've been trying. We've been doing a little taste testing for the sake of everyone else. We've been trying them all this summer. Um, we're not doing Biggest Loser right now, so... <laughs> We've been able to do I'm sorry for Biggest Loser people. Um, but, uh, but there's something that, that's just good, that you'll drive out of your way, you know, that you'll do extra effort, that you'll, you'll make some time in your schedule. And that's what my prayer for you is with the Word, is that you would get a taste and you would know that it's good. Um, but the second week we talked about, this is last week, right, we talked about uh, dwelling in the Word. And, and I know we talked about, those of you who were there, it was a bit of a stretch some, a bit, right? I mean, we did some thing where we traced... The, the actual words in the text, some people did. Some people just kind of stared at their blank page, which is okay too, you know. Uh, something about looking and just dwelling with the Word, just living with the Word, just, just being present to the Word. And it's a different thing than Bible study because you come at the text with no agenda. Like, well, is that really true to say that? I mean, maybe you come with the, the text with the agenda to sit and listen. But you're not there to kind of, and this is the, the, the big sin of a pastor, is that every time you read something great in the Bible, you know, you read some passage, you're like, oh, that's awesome. Somebody needs to hear that. Like God doesn't want me to hear that, okay? And this is the sin of, of pastors and it's the sin of Christians who, who read that and go, oh, if, if old Susie down the street just heard that, boy, her life would be changed. We're not listening for ourselves. We're not hearing what the word has to say to us. And then the, um, so it's this idea that you can dwell, you can do different things. And we actually shared a lot of the ways that you all already integrate scripture in your life besides carrying this around and studying it. 
which is a fine thing to do. Things like taking out little passages or praying over a, a particular book of the Bible and finding that one verse that speaks to you right now where you are. Lots of different creative ways uh, to do that. And some of the stuff, too, creative endeavors with the Word of God. To, to, to spend, you know, if you can't focus uh, a long time on a Bible study, but you have a gift of, like, maybe drawing or, or, or art of some sort, then, then choose to form your letters you know what I mean? Choose to make that a, a study of the word because you'll be amazed what you'll discover by doing that. God is still speaking, right? And, uh, and that's what we are, we are talking about with this series. I just really want you to have that in your life. And then this week we're going to talk about something different because this is the, the final week of the series and, and it's this idea of living out the word or living from the word because we've kind of, we've studied the word like a tool, you know, that's a great thing to do and then we've dwelt with the word, just kind of living and just, just being with the text and not having any positions on it or any expectations other than we will spend this much time contemplating the word today. And then we're going to talk about what matters though. See, I think a big problem that we have is, is a lot of us have the head knowledge, right? A lot of us get it, but we don't get it. Do you know what I'm saying? A lot of us get it up here, and we can give the right answers. We have the Sunday school stuff down. You know, I, got, I know the whole thing. I got it. I know what we're talking about. But out there in the real world where we all live, okay, it doesn't make a bit of difference. There's nothing that's different about it. And, and that's what we don't want to do. We don't want to be hearers of the word only. And so we're going to talk today about that a little bit. We're going to talk about living from the word, from the word of God. And, uh, and I hope that you're excited about this because I am totally excited because God is speaking today. Let's pray together. Father God, we are humbled to be here in your presence, Lord. We know that you prepare a place before we ever show up. That all, all the craziness of life, that when we show up at that place that's the last place on earth we'd ever thought we'd be, Lord, you are there and you've set a table for us. <laughs> what an amazing God you are. We thank you for that. We thank you that you always go ahead, that you always wait, that you always love us. We pray today, Lord, uh, as we already have, that, that, that you would forgive us for our sinfulness, that you would forgive us for the ways that we, we take your name in vain. We claim the Bible. We claim our faith. We claim our Lord, our Master in Jesus, and yet we don't live that way, and we know it. No one has to tell us. We just pray, Lord, today that you would forgive those sins, and that you would continue to be merciful and graceful to us as you draw us along. And um, as your Spirit dwells with us today, Lord, pray you would soften our hearts, should open our minds, and she would give us new eyes to see and new ears to hear. That we might glorify you, that we might praise you, and we might be made whole again. You're an awesome God, and we love you, and we thank you for all these things. In the name of Jesus, amen. We're going we're gonna to work from the book of James today. And I know you all uh, did a study of James, but we're going to just touch back on something here. I'm going to walk in front of that thing. There it goes. It's on page 837, 837 of our Bibles we have in the, the little... Uh, Scenic Bibles we have on the chairs. And uh, so I'm just going to read this, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit this morning. I'm going to start in verse 22 of chapter 1 of James. And this is what it says. James is writing, and he says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. 
Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looked like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in all that he does. I love the book of James. I have so many texts. I'm sure you have those favorite texts. But this book is one of the most amazing books. Amazing books in the Bible. It's, a very, it's probably because of my own lack. It's a very practical book. James just tells you like it is. This is what you got. You got to do it. You can't just listen to it, right? You have to do what the Word says, he says here in the book of James. It's funny that I like the book of James so much because part of what you will learn if you do some study of the canon of Scripture is that James almost didn't make the cut. There were people who thought this was too practical. <laughs> there were people who thought, man, if we put this in there, people don't think you can earn your salvation, that you can do enough good stuff that God's going to go, you're good, you did it. You know, you get the gold star. Did you ever have that in school? I never got gold stars in school. <laughs> no, I did sometimes. But that's not what James is saying at all. The book of James does not say that. But we can't throw out all this stuff that James is talking about with doing what we've heard. And so I just want to say a, a few things about what we see here in, the, in this uh, 22nd verse of James chapter 1. And he says, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. And that, that is probably the most profound thought right there in this little text. That you think, you know, do you ever know those folks in your life that they got it all together? Do you know those folks in your life that, that just got it all figured out? But they don't. Do you know that? Maybe you're those folks. Do you, do you feel like people think, man, you guys got it all figured out? And you're going, we don't, I don't have this figured out at all. James is talking here about the self-deception that you find by only listening to the word. Listen to what it says again. Do not merely, only, don't just listen to the word and so deceive yourself. That's not going to cut it. But he says, do what the word says. Anyone who listens to the word, this is his illustration here this morning. This is what we did this little skit for. Anyone who listens to the word and does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You see, because the word of God is like a mirror. There's something about this text that's reflective. There's something about this text that speaks to us. Too many of us want to speak to it. You hear what I'm saying? When, when we're reading those texts and we do think of so-and-so needs to hear this, so-and-so, maybe, that, maybe that's the Holy Spirit saying, share that, praise God. But too many times that's us avoiding the truth of what the text is saying to me. I don't want to hear that, so I'll find someone else to assign that task to. I've got to be a doer of the word, or else I'm like the one who looks in the mirror and goes away and forgets what he looks like. That's what the Bible says here. And I want to say that... The, the words here, again, the NIV, I love the NIV, but we don't quite get it too. Anyone who listens to the word, you see the verb, listens is a verb here, isn't it? And does not do what it says. Do is a verb here too, right? But what's interesting is in the original Greek text, those are both nouns. The way it reads probably more pr properly is don't be just a listener, but be a doer, you see? 
It's not about what you hear or what you know. It's about what you do in response to the truth you find in Christ. And this is what James is writing to us to tell us. Um, it's about who we are. And that's our problem as Christians because I say taking the Lord's name in vain, you know, we sometimes think that means cursing. But, you know, sometimes what do we, we do that, don't we? We take the Lord's name in vain. We don't bear that burden properly. We bear it in all kinds of wrong ways in the world. The way we are to live our lives is a response to the truth that Jesus brings into our life. And we then have to respond. It's not enough to know it. I also want to say that this idea here, I'm going to read this again. It says, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You see, there's something that if you, even if you see it for a minute in the text, you don't remember it when you're like five feet out the door. You know? We have next steps every week we put in the bulletins. And we put them in there because we pray that God would use that to spur action. You know, because too many of us show up on a Sunday and enjoy the service and then go back out unchanged. We might have that moment, that brief little glimpse of a living God, but God lives out there. You hear what I'm saying? God lives everywhere that we are. And we can't deceive ourselves into thinking that we can come in here and be nice on a Sunday and, and know the answers and say the right things and go out there and not have any, any difference in our lives. So this is what it says. The man looks intently at the perfect law. And this looking intently is this idea of stooping. It's this idea of, of gazing. We've been talking about maybe dwelling, doing some different things, but it's really you just get in there, the perfect law. What does it say in 25? But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives burden. No, that gives rules and regulations and continues to do this. No, no, it's the perfect law that gives freedom. It's the law that wants to set you free. And we're so afraid to see the truth of who we are according to God. You see, because the bad news has to come before good news. Do you hear what I'm saying? We can't know what we need until we know what, what, until, what am I trying to say? We can't know what we need until we don't know what we have. We can't know who we are unless we, unless we have someone that's going to tell us who we are. And the word of God has been speaking for generations into our lives telling us who we are, which sometimes is the bad news. A verse that comes to mind is that speck in your eye, or the plank in your eye and the speck in your brother's eye. That's, that's the verse that Jesus says where he says, don't worry about that because you've got to worry about this. You know what I'm saying? We spend too much time worrying about that. He goes away and he immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, you know, it's just, again, this idea of always, always doing it, looking into the word to hear the message again, to remember again where you were. It's okay to know you're saved in Christ Jesus. Praise God. Yeah? But it doesn't give you like a, a, the, the free hall pass for life, you know? You, you return and you remember what has happened in your life. You remember what God has done for you. Not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it. And he's going to be blessed in all that he does, James says. Now, see, here's the deal. A lot of folks might that's James, though. You know, like I said, they almost didn't make it in the Bible. So you can, you can just tear that book right out. 
Okay, so go ahead. Anybody wants to tear it up? <laughs> you could do that. You could just tear it out. Just put a big marker through it. I don't like this. Do you ever find text that you don't like in the Bible? I would say if you don't find text that you don't like, you're probably not reading it. <laughs> because you're going to find stuff in there. You just go, no. Uh-uh. That's, no. no. Not, not my Bible, right? We should all have our own version. Like the, like the king, you know, write your own version. That's what it said last week. Not really. Um, but it does say we're, we're, to, we're to have it, to own it for ourselves, but own all, every word of it. Here's the problem with tearing out James. I'm going to turn. I'm actually going to just read it off here because I have it. Um, Jesus said the same thing too. And you've heard this story. And so it's so funny that this almost didn't make it in the Bible because Jesus said the same thing too. Jesus says this in, Mark, in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you do not do what I say? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do it? It makes no difference. Actually, he doesn't say it makes no difference at all. Do you remember the story? What does it say? It says the one who built his house on the rock when the storms come, because they will come, will not be destroyed. That's the wise man who does what I said, who has heard these words and puts them into action. He is the wise one, but the one who builds on the sand, he will be washed away, not if the storms come, but when the storms come, because storms are coming. This is what Jesus says. Why would you say with your lips, Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Can anyone tell me what the commands of Jesus were? We should know these. It's okay. It's, we broke it down really simple here at Family Bible. We've, we've, even, we've even truncated them more. What is it? Yeah, you know the long version. <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbors yourself. Love God. Love people. Because Jesus says if you do these two things, you have made all, you have completed all the law. You're fulfilling all the law if you love God and love others. This is what we're called to do. And there's an order to this stuff too. We love God first. Because you can't truly, you know, someone said to me, uh, I, I, we were talking, they were saying, you know, I saw this community of people and they were all hurting so much. All they kept doing was hurting each other. This person's a professional, and, and they were talking about a professional like a psychologist, and they were talking about they, they've seen people who, who just have so much hurt, they have nothing else to give but hurt. Hmm. I don't mean about like that. Right? You love God. You got to know God's love first. You can't love anybody. You can't love your wife. You know, you, I'm going to try this time. Yeah. You know? And even then, still, you go back to that love of God because we fail, right? You, you with me? I mean, you fail at loving people properly. You always screw it up, and you got to go back and go, oh, God, I got it wrong. Teach me again. How do I do this stuff? Oh, yeah, that's right. It's the way that you love me. Jesus says this, why do you say, Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Do what I do. Watch my example, right? Paul says that kind of stuff, which is crazy because Paul Paul's kind of crazy. Paul says, do what I do. You want to know how, what to do? Do what I do, man. I don't have that kind of nerve, do you? Somebody's following you around with a secret camera all your whole life? You're like, well, don't do that, though. <laughs> Sorry, Lord. Don't do what I, that was not part of what I was supposed to be doing. Jesus said the same thing. Do what I say. Don't call me Lord, Lord. 
I want to read something to you about these mirrors. So I'm thinking this mirror thing's really cool. You know, I got this little mirror, and Deb did this great little thing, and it was, I thought this was fun. Do you think this was fun, to do the little mirror illustration? And I started looking, and I thought, well, that's kind of funny, the mirror in the Bible, because, man, this thing here, I got this last night at Walmart for like 15 bucks. It's got a light in it. Pretty fancy, you know? I thought, I bet, I bet that's what he meant in James. He meant this. Get one of these. That's the Word of God, and you can look in there. I'm going to turn to 1 Corinthians. And we're going to listen to Brother Paul for a minute. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. This is what Paul writes to us. He says, Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. What? James has said, you know, it's like a mirror if you forget what you looked like. It's this great image. It's this thing that you can just see it, right? And Paul says, no, now in this life we see a poor reflection like in a mirror. And then at that time we will see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I'll, be, I'll know fully. And here's what he says, and I'll be fully known. There's a time coming where the mirror will not be a mirror anymore. It'll be this perfect clarity of who we are. Did you taste worship this morning? Did you taste it? Because there's a time coming when we're going to stand before a holy God. I don't know if that scares you, but it scares me a little bit. Someone said to me once, somebody said, I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm going to go up and shake God's hand. I have a lot of questions for him. And someone else said to me, I might melt into a puddle. I might just dissolve in God's holy presence. Paul says, now it's a poor reflection. This is a, a gift. You know, the Bible is a gift of grace. Because we can sometimes go, oh, gosh, that's not me, right, Lord? That's, you don't want me to know. Because it's a, an act of grace. We can take it little, be, little pieces at a time, little bits at a time. Just do that next step. That's what we talk about all the time. Do that one, that one next thing. Don't worry about the whole journey. I can't think about the end. I don't know about you. But if I think about the end, I get overwhelmed, you know? Paul, this idea of a, what a mirror looks like, you know, Paul, the mirrors they had, they were, Matt and I were talking this week, they had this great big thing called the sky mirror. Have any of you seen that thing? And it's made out of like stainless, polished stainless steel or something. And Matt goes, that's, that's metal? It, it's amazing. But the technology at the time, there was this kind of bronze and brass, and they would pound it out, you know, they would beat this metal until you could see your reflection in it, right? And this is why Paul, because it's not this stuff here, it's not, it's this stuff like you just kind of, if you look hard enough, you might get a chance to see a reflection in it. But Paul says, this isn't going to be all of it, you know. This is, this is, this is what's for now. Because there's a, a, a whole new thing coming. We're going to fully know the truth of God. And that's what this idea of discipleship is, you see. Because you've accepted Jesus as your Savior. Man, that's awesome. That's so great. But God is not done with you when you accept him as your Savior. You then begin a new journey. We have baptisms and we take people down. They die to themselves and they're raised in Christ. And that means all bets are off. I hope you know that. It's nothing, nothing to enter too lightly because God starts to work in your life in ways that you cannot control him anymore. Well, once you said silly things like, I accept you, Lord, you're, you, you know, you're, you're not your own, Paul says. You know? Something's changed. So, so here Paul says it. Now we see a poor reflection as in a mirror. And then we're going to see face to face. And, and, and we're going to know fully. And as much as we long for that, I'm not sure that I'm ready. 
So I want to keep looking at the Word of God. I want to keep hearing the tough passages. If you have a hard time with a passage, I'd encourage you to put a... This is one of the things I started doing when I first became a Christian. I started putting question marks in my margins. With stuff that I did not understand. <laughs> that I couldn't even get close to touching. <laughs> and, and I would just put it away. I would trust God's going to teach me what that means someday. I don't have to throw it out. And I don't have to throw out the whole Bible. I can just say, man, I don't understand that, Lord. Move on. You know what's happened over years? I've been able to go back and I've been able to scribble out that little question mark because God's begun to teach me what that means. You keep engaging the word and it changes. I want to turn uh, somewhere else with me, if you would. This is Exodus. I apologize for how these page numbers up here. Exodus, we're going to go from the back. James Lowell was all the way in the back. This is going to be the front of the text. This, the book of Exodus, the 38th chapter is what we're looking at. And this is what it says in 38.8 we're going to look at right here. And it's this brief little, little short thing. But kind of think about these mirrors and what does this mean to look into the mirror, to gaze intently into the perfect law that gives freedom that we might know. What does that mean here way back in Exodus? Man, this is so far back in our history. We hear this story. It says in verse 8 of chapter 38, they made the bronze basin and its bronze stand. See, there's the, the metal. They formed this stuff, right? From mirrors of the women who served at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Now, there's a couple things going on in this Exodus passage that I want you to see. These women had these mirrors, probably kind of like this, so they could make sure that they were beautiful, that they were well-made, that they, they looked presentable, because they're going to a holy place. They're going to stand outside the temple, right? And they're going to greet people. As you come in, this is a big deal. You don't want to be out there and look like an idiot, you know. You don't want to be out there and, and uh, have something on your face, <laughs> you know. But, but they, 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 were, they, they started to hear about this thing that God was doing with this new house. That God's house needed furniture. And they took these mirrors down and they gave them. And, and the text doesn't really say what they did, but there's, you know, some scholarly thoughts that they probably melted the mirrors down and then, and then you know, turned them into this basin right? And a stand. And I'll show you what the basin, this is, this is beautiful. The basin sat outside of the tent of meeting. And what would happen is, if you wanted to enter the tent of meeting, you see, it wasn't just a mirror anymore. Well, it kind of was a mirror. It was a reflecting pool. And you would have some water in it, like this, okay? And see, now I'm getting a little more in our lights here, but I'm getting a little more have a look at what, what's going on. And then what you would do is, if you're getting ready to enter the holy, the place of God, the place where God dwells, when you reflect on this, when you spend some time looking at it, at the word, remember, this is the, this is the text. This is scripture. You begin to see things, and here's the bad news, is you're a mess. Do you know what I mean? The bad news is we read it, we go, we're like, oh, Lord, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. But then the word, you see, it isn't just this dead thing. It's this thing that you can start to see and you go, oh, wait. Wait a minute. Because when you enter a holy place of God, you have to be clean. We long for the day when our faith will be sight. That's what we sing. But how do you enter that place? 
Because when you look in the mirror, you see your brokenness. You see your failings. It's not good news. The Bible tells us something. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is no basin you can wash in. There's no physical baptism you can participate in that's going to make you right before God. But Jesus comes, you see. Jesus comes to make us pure, to make us blameless, to make us holy. And we can come and we can dwell with the Word. The Bible says He's the living Word. John said last week, the living Word. The Word was made flesh in Jesus Christ. And He stands with us at the basin. And we're standing looking and we're saying, Oh, Lord, I, I haven't done this. And He says, I've got it. I've done it. You're mine. If you want to take a bath outside the temple of God, here's my plan. Jesus Christ is my bath. Do you see what I'm saying? I, I, my prayer has always been, if I'm standing before the holy throne of God, I can't see anything because all I can see is the bottom of Jesus' skirt. Is Jesus going to wear a skirt? I hope so, because I'm going to fit if he's not, how he's going to hide me. <laughs> you know, you like get smuggled in. Because there's this holiness that we cannot aspire to except that God would send his son, his self, and flesh form to live perfectly and die so that you might fulfill the law of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can fulfill all the Old Testament. You can fulfill everything that's ever been written, demanded, commanded by the living God through Jesus Christ who did the work on the cross. And you know what you do? You say, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for your work on the cross. He was, he was put there for us. It's kind of a crazy thing. The Bible doesn't leave us there. By the way, this, this thing, I love this. This thing is called a laver, right? L-A-V-E-R. In, in the Hebrew, it, not in Hebrew, actually, it's from the Latin Vulgate. But it's laver, is what we know this instrument as in the Jewish temple. And uh, it reminds me of a lavatory, right? That you're, you're uh, washing up before dinner. What? That there's this meal, that there's this feast, there's this time that you're going to know in full what you now know in part. But before you can enter in, you've got to be washed clean by the blood of Jesus. And we sang that this week with the VBS kids, didn't we? It's simple truth, but we don't seem to understand it sometimes. Be washed clean in the blood. I want to go back to second, we were in first Corinthians. I want to go to second Corinthians right quick and we're going to, we're going to wrap up with this. But I want you to hear this because I love, because Paul sometimes kicks my butt. You know what I mean? Does he kick your butt sometimes? Paul says stuff sometimes and you just go, oh no, Paul, I can't, no, oh, dude, what are you doing to me? Second Corinthians. This is the second letter Paul writes to the same body of believers, right? He wrote in first Corinthians to them. Now he's going to write again to them. Chapter three, verse 16 through 18. I'm just going to read it to you. And I just want you to hear what he says here. He says, anytime anyone turns to the Lord, the master, right, the veil is taken away. He's referring to the veil that Moses had on when he came down the mountain with the Israelites. This veil is lifted away when you have received the Lord. Anytime you turn, you repent, you stop your sinfulness, you repent of your evil ways, you admit that you're a sinner in need of a Savior, the veil is lifted and the Lord is spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, you find freedom, Paul says. And we, now Paul's talking to you, we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed, listen to the word today, 
into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Every day, Christian, that you pick up that mantle, that you agree to look again, it's gonna hurt a little bit, but I'm gonna look, Lord, that you're being renewed every day into the likeness, the very image of the living God. It's almost too much to fathom, isn't it? That that's what we're doing. Discipleship 101. You're being transformed into his very likeness and image. You know, actually, back in the book of James, it said if you look into the mirror and, don't, don't, and see your natural face, he says, the word there is Genesis. It goes right back to the beginning. The one you're born with. The one that's kind of broken. And you don't remember the sinfulness you don't remember the failing? You've forgotten what God has revealed to you. And so there's Paul. Paul's given the old upshot to us at the end, you know. You're being transformed day by day into the likeness and image of Christ. That's good news. That's good news. So I'd encourage you to keep doing that. I want to, I want to go right back to James now. We're going to, we did a little tour of the Bible this morning. And this is what it says. James 1.21 says this. Therefore, you see, before James said any of this stuff, he's talking about what pleases God and what doesn't please God. And he says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that's so prevalent and humbly accept what? The word of God planted in you, which can save you. And I pray today that's been your experience. I pray that God had your heart prepared today for this moment in time, that the word of God would be sown into your soul like a seed that would begin to blossom and you can't control it. Because it's the living God speaking. It's not Bill Dempsey. It's not Family Bible Church. It's nothing else. It's the living God speaking to you today that wants to grow something new in your life. I pray you'd be able to receive that word today and accept it. So we, this is what we do every week. Next steps. That we're done. Right? We're done. My question for you is this. Because you know and God knows what your next step is is. I want you to take a moment, while we're doing this closing hymn, I want you to take a moment, and I want you to write down what is your next step. God knows you by name. He knows the plans for your life. And if, I just want to encourage you to engage that conversation this morning and just write down what God is telling you to do next, who God's telling you to be. Write that down on that card today. I'm going to give you some ideas. Maybe it's some way to, find, to integrate Scripture into your life. Maybe you don't have time to sit down doing 20 minutes of Bible study every day, right? But how can you integrate Scripture in your life? We've been talking about that stuff together. Maybe you need to get your own Bible. <laughs> you can borrow ours every week. But boy, you can have your own. You can even have one of ours if you want it. Or go out and spend 20 bucks and get one, right? Maybe you need a new Bible. Maybe your old Bible has too much baggage for you. Go buy a brand new one. It's like new life, isn't it? Yeah. It's like brand new life to get a new Bible sometimes. Make some habit of regularly reading the word. A reading plan. Boy, I hate that word already. Reading plan. Oh, it's a burden already, you know. Just get up and say, I want to meet again. Open it up and see what it says. Don't make it a burden. Make it a pleasure. Uh, you know, some of us memorize scripture well, some of us don't. Today's verse is a great one to memorize. James 1, 23, 24. If you want to memorize the scripture verse, that's a great one to memorize. Something else that happens that if you're only here on Sundays, you don't see is we have these things called family groups that meet throughout the week and you can open the word of God together. 
And you know, maybe the word is reflecting that image, but you don't want to admit it, but maybe someone who loves you, who's journeyed with you for a, a few months or a few years, can rub you on the back and say, I, I see what you're talking about, but you got a little something here on your face. Can we trust each other enough to do that? I would invite you just to get involved in the family group, just to hang out with other people and reflect in the word of God together. And then maybe, uh, maybe you've been going to church forever. Maybe you've, uh, maybe this is your first time and uh, you've never accepted Jesus. I want to tell you, there's no magic. There's no hocus pocus. He's right there with you right now. You can do it right where you're sitting. You can just receive Jesus. You can say, I'm broken. I'm flawed. Things are screwed up, Lord. I don't know what's going on, but I know that you hold the keys. And that is the true message, the gospel message that Christ came to give you today. You can accept Jesus today. And then we've been getting a lot of people wet, this baptism thing. But there's something that happens when you go down and you come up and you publicly profess, and maybe you've never done it. I'd invite you to consider that today. We'll get it done. Someone said, well, the problem is you don't have anywhere to baptize. We'll find a place. <laughs> because there's something that happens that your ministry begins. There's something that happens that your life begins to be transformed in a more profound way when you're willing to take that public step and confess him. No matter what you do, whether it's accepting Jesus this card's going home with you. We're not collecting these cards. We're collecting the bottom, right on the top. What is God? What is God telling you is your next step today?